Well, welcome everyone to Velocity and welcome to another week together. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed celebrating Easter with all of you and hearing all of the stories of how you watched it together in your families or how you shared the message or VR message with your friends. It was so fun to plan and it was even more fun to execute. And I want to give a great big shout out to all of our teams who worked so hard to make church happen, not just last week, but week in and week out, making church happen. In fact, if you would just let them know right now in the chat that you appreciate our team for finding creative ways to bring the word of God to you, I know I'm thankful for everybody who contributes. And you might not know this, but even though our services have moved online, there are still a number of ways you can serve and be a part of what God is doing right here. We'd love to have you as part of the team. And the great thing is you don't even have to live here in Lawrence to be part of our online team. We've gotten stories from so many of you who are joining us from all over the country and even all over the world. And what I want you to know is that you can serve right where you're sitting. So if you'd like to join our online team, our host will put a link in the chat and you can be a part of what God is doing here at Velocity Church. Now, we had such a great celebration on Easter and I didn't want the party to stop. So we are coming to you today with the after party. And we're gonna have some fun with this one. Uh, one of the ways we're gonna have some fun is by having an after party of our own. Now, after the message today, our hosts are gonna give you a link where you can connect with old friends and maybe meet some new ones. And we've been testing this out with our teams the last two weeks. It is a ton of fun. And it's really just one more way we wanna help you stay connected. You can think of it like a virtual lobby where you can see some of the people that you would normally see on a Sunday. And it's a great opportunity to introduce yourself to some new people as well who are joining us every week here online. Now I'm excited to get into this message with you today because I believe that what we're gonna talk about is really going to set you up for success in this next season. In fact, I believe that God's plan for your life, your destiny, your joy, and your fulfillment could all depend on how much value you place on what you're gonna hear today. I wanna tell you, it's not an accident that you're here. I believe that if you're here, it's because God wants you to understand something about his relationship with you. And if you believe that, you can let me know by typing amen in the chat. In fact, let's have a little fun before we get started. I wanna begin with a question. I'm curious for everybody watching right now, how many of you have a best friend? Now, I don't mean Jesus, right? I know Jesus is your best friend, but I mean, how many of you have a real best friend? If you do, go ahead and let us know in the chat. Tell us who your best friend is. Now, you might need to be careful because if someone else is in the chat and they think they're your best friend and you put somebody else's name, you're gonna have some explaining to do, all right? So just a little pro tip, if you're married, put your spouse's name in the chat. We are not trying to cause fights in church. Now, if you didn't put anybody's name down in the chat, can we all just take a moment? We wanna pray for you right now. Those of you who are not participating, you must not have any best friends. That's why we wanna invite you to the after party. Now, what's funny is my kids have this thing they do where when they want me to play with them, they want me to buy something for them, 
or they just generally want me to cater to all of their desires, they have this phrase they say, and it goes something like this. They'll say, Dad, please, please, will you play with me? Dad, please, will you buy this for me? Dad, please, I promise to be your best friend. I don't need their friendship. I'm their dad. I'm not trying to be their best friend. But the worst part is they don't even keep their promise. So now I've taken to try to explain to them what a promise means. And it's not going well. So, so please pray for me. And I promise to be your best friend if you do. But let's think about this for a moment. What is a promise? Well, a promise really is an offer with a guaranteed result. And what I want you to know as we get into this message today is that God has made you some promises. He's made them at the very beginning. Not the beginning of your life, but I mean the beginning of faith itself. They are promises that are close to his heart, and they have never changed. Now, maybe you're thinking, kind of like me with my kids, that promises don't mean so much anymore. I mean, there's people who promise to stay married forever, and they don't. There's politicians who make promises for change and nothing happens. There's businesses that promise to take care of their employees and yet outsourcing and downsizing have become the norm. The chances are we've all heard plenty of promises in the past. And the chances are that some, if not all of those promises, have been broken. Maybe you've had broken promises at home, broken promises at work. Even in the church, people have a tough time keeping their promises. And if we define a promise as an offer with a guaranteed result, well, it's not surprising then that God is the only one who always keeps his promises. See, when he makes a promise, he always fulfills it. Now, it might not be fulfilled in the way that we would want it or expect it to be fulfilled or might not happen in the timetable that we choose, but God always comes through. It's an offer with a guaranteed result. So what I want you to see today is that God has an offer on the table. Now the chances are all of us haven't fully realized this offer. In other words, God has more that's available to you than you're currently experiencing. And this is where I want to begin. Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now I want to use this passage to talk to you today from this subject. This is the rhythm. This is the rhythm of the night. The night. Oh yeah. The rhythm of the night. Now, side note, that was written by the popular Italian Europop dance group known as Corona back in 1993. So today, we're going to find our rhythm with Corona. And I don't know if it's just me, but I have struggled to find a rhythm. I mean, work doesn't look the same. School doesn't look the same. I've forgotten what the gym looks like. Maybe you can relate. But that's exactly what drew me to this verse. Because Jesus invites us to come to him. 
He says, recover your life and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, this is how to get your life back. This is how to get your rhythm back. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. Some unforced rhythms. Now, the reason that's attractive is because when most of us think about the church or religion, it usually involves obeying a bunch of rules and regulations. Seems restricting, it seems uncomfortable, and it seems forced. But the truth is, following Jesus is much, much simpler than that. Jesus says, if you want to get your rhythm back, this is the rhythm. Walk this way. Shout out to Run DMC and Aerosmith. Jesus asked this question. He says, do you want to recover your life? Do you want to get your life back? Do you want to get your rhythm back? Well, let me show you how you have to walk this way. Walk with me and work with me. And what I want you to see is that God wants to take you on a journey. He gives you a promise and then he shows you a process. Now, when most of us hear the word promise, we don't think of the word process. What we think of is progress. We think if God gave me a promise, then I should immediately be better. I want to see progress in my life. I want to move beyond where I'm at. I don't want to be here anymore. But what God does is he gives us a promise and then he shows us the process. And the process doesn't always look like progress. Think about the Israelites. Now, the Israelites are the people of God we read about in the Old Testament. God gave them a promise of a promised land, but it wasn't as simple as going straight from Egyptian bondage into the promised land. It took 40 years of allowing God to prepare them in the desert, not to mention that they had to fight some battles before they were able to step into what God had prepared for them. And along the way, they grumbled and they complained and they second-guessed God most of the time. And the truth is, I bet they thought much like you and I do. You see, in the Bible, God makes a promise, and the promise seems so simple. So simple, in fact, that we expect it to happen immediately. And then when it doesn't happen that way or the way that we expect, we begin to wonder if God's promises are just empty words. But God's promises are real. And when life doesn't make sense, we have to hold on to those promises as the basis for our faith in God and our hope for what he's going to do. So that's the promise. But in Matthew 11, we get a picture of the process. And here's the process. God says, walk and work. This is the rhythm of refreshment. It's to walk and work. Now, this seems almost counterintuitive to most of us because we don't associate rest with working. And if you're like me, I don't even associate rest with walking. I mean, God made cars for a reason. But understand that when God talks about rhythm, he's speaking about it in a way that's a recharge, not a retreat. He wants us to execute our purpose, not escape it. In fact, I was doing a study on the word recharge, and it literally means to put a load on. Maybe that's why Jesus said in another translation, take my yoke upon you. In other words, he has something he wants you to carry, but it's not going to be heavy because you're carrying it with him. So when Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly, it's a reference to the way most of us are living. Because most of us are living under something heavy. Again, if we remember the Israelites, God wanted to bring them out from slavery. And while maybe we can't relate to that in our present day, the truth is, at some point in our lives, we've all found ourselves a slave to something. And we might not use that term specifically, but slavery is what happens when you're living with no purpose. Slavery is what happens when you're settling for less, when you've resigned yourself to mediocrity and you believe that you have nothing to contribute. This is a life we were never intended to live. It's not just those things though. I mean, you could be a slave to habits. You could be a slave to spending, to addiction, to worry, to fear, to depression, to laziness. And maybe you feel trapped in that life that you're living. In fact, I think one of the greatest spiritual attacks we can face is when we lose our rhythm. Now we normally don't think of that as a spiritual attack. We think of spiritual attacks as sickness or crisis or something that's outside of our control. And the truth is our rhythm seems like it's something that's very much in our control. But when you lose your rhythm, that's when we make our worst decisions. When we lose our rhythm, we feel worn out. When we lose our rhythm, it's harder to do what we consider normal things. When we lose our rhythm, it's exhausting. And here's what I want you to see. That extra sleep isn't real rest. Decreased demands isn't real rest. We know that because Jesus says point blank, I'll show you how to take a real rest. In other words, the way most of us think about real rest isn't what really refreshes. You know, there are some great things about being home right now. I mean, my garage has never been cleaner. In fact, I don't even know if you can consider yourself a real dad if your garage is not clean at this point. But there comes a point where there's only so much cleaning you can do and only so much Netflix you can watch. I mean, my wife was ironing napkins this week. I am not making that up. That is the point it's gotten to at our house, looking for things to clean and to organize that she was ironing our napkins. What I'm trying to say is that having decreased demands isn't real rest because within all of us is a desire to contribute to something productive, to contribute to something that matters. See, burnout doesn't come from doing too much. Burnout comes from doing too much that doesn't matter. We know that because there are many of us who've never had more time on our hands and yet we're simultaneously living with increased anxiety, increased stress, less patience, more worry. We have less burden, but more pressure. And you might be getting a solid eight hours of sleep, but you're not feeling rested. And that's because rest is not inactivity. Rest is a condition of your soul. And that's what Jesus wants to change for you. See, here's the deal. If you feel burdened, barren, or burned out, you're a candidate for this promise. What does God want to do? He wants to bring you out of that way of life and into his promise of a new rhythm. And this is the rhythm. It's a rhythm of refreshment. So how does he do it? He says, walk this way. Walk with me and work with me. See, God is not asking you to do something for him. He wants you to do something with him. And what a paradigm shift. What a different way to look 
at the opportunities that are in front of us. I wonder if for some of us, the things that we are complaining about are actually the very thing that Christ came to give us. I just mean that Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I know he's speaking spiritually. He's talking about eternal life, but it's also a full life. And a full life is full of responsibilities. So many times the reason we're stressed out from all the activities that fill our lives is because we see them as obligations instead of opportunities. I have to study for this. I have to finish this project. I have to get this work done. I have to make this much money. But what if we saw all these things as an opportunity to do it with Jesus? What if we saw our day as a day to walk and work with Jesus? What if that's the rhythm? That means that now I don't have to, but I want to. That means I'm looking for opportunities to put on my plate because an abundant life is a full life. What's interesting is that before Jesus speaks of promising us a full life, he talks about an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what I think he steals more than anything else? He steals opportunities, he kills dreams, and he destroys destinies. He tries to steal the opportunities that are in front of us, and he does it by trying to get us to believe lies. And the lie is that you need to be selfish and you need to think about you right now. The lie is to look inward and focus on your limitations instead of looking out to see the opportunities on the horizon. And it shows up in all sorts of ways. People being disconnected, people disengaged, they retreat instead of recharge. And the end result is it actually causes more problems and more pressure. Can I tell you, God wants you to get your rhythm back. Not something that's forced, but something that flows. He wants you to walk and work. Not work for him, but work with him. That's the difference. You see, sometimes we're tempted to try and earn our way into the abundant life that God offers. But God's word is undeniably clear that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we do or how long we do it, we will never be able to earn it. We simply cannot earn God's favor. The Bible tells us God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. The moment we believed and committed our lives to him, he gave us the best present we could ever hope to receive. Adoption into the family of God. We can't take credit for our salvation because there's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't earn God's love for us. He already does. Now you might be thinking, hold up, doesn't the Bible say that we're supposed to love others and serve them and do stuff? Yes, it does. But all of that comes after. That's the after party. That's the fun and power you experience working with God and the purpose he's given you. Now, once God becomes the Lord of your life, he begins working in your heart to give you both the desire and the power to work in the purpose he has for you, not before. So how do you get started? Well, first you have to realize that God is pursuing you. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And maybe this first step seems difficult for you. Maybe like so many people, you haven't experienced salvation because you think God wants something from you. That 
first you have to get some things right in your life before God will ever listen to you. But that's not true. We don't get our lives together in order to get to God. We go to God so we can get our lives together. It's kind of like right now, my kids have been wanting to make all sorts of paper airplanes with me. They're, they're really into that right now. And, and sometimes they'll come and they'll grab some scissors because we've got to cut the paper a certain way. And they'll start running towards me with scissors. First of all, I'm a little scared for my life. But second, I'm scared for their safety. And the truth is, you know, before we can get started on the things that are exciting to them, they have to let go of some things that are dangerous for them. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. Sometimes people want to go with God, but they want to hang on to something that's destructive, something that could hurt them. But to walk with God means that we have to give up control of where we're going. And you trust that he's the leader, that he knows the way. That's what following God means. When it comes to living a life with God, you have to decide to leave behind your old life in order to follow him into the land he's promised you. Right now, I'd like to give you an invitation. There may be some of you watching who you have never said yes to Jesus because you've been holding on to an old way of living. You thought that the rhythm was all about work and regulations. You didn't understand that it was real rest. It was purpose. He has something for you, but it's easy. You get to do it with him. Walk with him and work with him. And the first step is to give him your life. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want to give you an invitation. It's really easy. Scripture says that when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that you'd be saved. I want to give you that opportunity right now. At our church, nobody prays alone. We all pray together. So even where you're watching, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're with family, I would ask that you would repeat this after me and say it out loud for the benefit of those who might be around you. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to say yes to God today, say this with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you. I believe in what you did for me. How you died on the cross for my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life. Come live in me. I receive your free gift of grace. Right now. In Jesus name. Amen.